It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. I'm Joe Dolan, and welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast series on the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. We continue the Franchise Focus Podcast series with our third division, that being the AFC South. I've already previewed the AFC East and the AFC North. I hope everybody enjoyed those podcasts as much as I did. I hope everybody learned as much as I did, and I hope everyone was entertained as much as I did breaking down those two divisions. We have eight teams down following this round of podcasts. We'll have 12 And honestly, we're just going to keep on going until we're 32 down. We're going to break them down alphabetically by division. So the AFC South will begin with the Houston Texans, then the Indianapolis Colts, then the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then finally the Tennessee Titans. So thank you for continuing to support the podcast uh, series. I hope uh, this is something that you'll make part of your pre-draft routine in 2023, your pre-training camp routine Maybe you're doing best ball drafts right now and you're taking these nuggets to heart as I am. So thanks everybody for continuing to listen and let's continue with our breakdown of the AFC South. Welcome back to the Franchise Focus podcast series here at FantasyPoints.com. Today we're talking Jacksonville Jaguars with the best of the best. His name is John Shipley. He is the Jaguars beat reporter for Jaguar Report. His Twitter handle is at underscore John underscore Shipley. John, I have the same problem um, because uh, Joe Dolan apparently is an old Irish crooner. Um, and uh, I get a lot of thirsty Irish ladies in my in my mentions every now and again. Uh, RIP to the goat, Joe Dolan. But uh, uh, I, I had to underscore some of my name as well. Yeah, it, evidently there's a like old Minnesota sports writer who's been like – prominent there for like 50 something years named John Shipley. So it it definitely, especially, you know, trying to Google stories and stuff. It's definitely a back and forth between uh, me and him. He he's got the experience on me. I'll give him that. Yeah. So maybe one day you can remove an underscore. I'm looking forward to that day as well, but we're here to talk Jaguars. And I got to be honest, I've been, I've been going around recording these AFC South podcasts with, with, with people in Houston, Indianapolis and Tennessee. And last year, I mean, it was like a dirge going through this division, and there's a lot of hope in this division now, and I think certainly Jaguar fans are are, are thinking of taking the next step, you know, time to maybe win some playoff games, and, you know, I thought it was interesting. Jaguar Report posted a a, a tweet. Uh, If you're listening to this, it was last week, but um, on June 20th, and you and your colleague were ranking the top 10 NFL quarterbacks. And the, the, the caveat was it's over the next three seasons with current salaries. So yeah. so maybe you knock down a guy who's got a big contract or something. You had Trevor Lawrence ranked behind only Patrick Mahomes. And I got to be honest, when we were talking Trevor Lawrence last year, I don't know if you would have put him in that spot or anywhere close to it. No, no, not at all. And I, I think... Yeah, like, like you said, the caveat that it is for the next you know, three years, contracts included. I responded to, I think, a fan on Twitter. They said, if we're going just for 2023 alone, he's obviously not a number two spot. You know, he obviously hasn't proved what guys like Burrow and Allen have. But I think if you just look at like the value of contracts around the NFL, I mean, Burrow and Herbert, they're, they're going to get paid very yeah. soon, you know. Uh, 
Lamar just got paid. Hurts just got paid. Just in terms of pure value and bang for your buck, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to give you top 10 quarterback play for the next probably two years with complete cost control, rookie contract. And you can't say that about really any other quarterback in the NFL because guys are either getting paid or they're guys from the 2021, 2022 class. And nobody from those classes is, you know, really near Trevor Lawrence. I, I'd say, you know, probably like the top values for what they'll bring to the table compared to what they're getting paid around the league. You know, it's obviously Mahomes first just because he's Mahomes. But I'd say Lawrence might have the second most valuable contract in football. I think it's him. Michael Parsons is up there. Brock Purdy is up there considering seventh-round pick. So I, I, I just think the pure advantage of the Jaguars have a quarterback who can – be in the conversation of those top guys, but he's not going to get paid like those guys for another couple of years. Um, when do you think Lawrence took the leap last year to where you're saying, okay, I think this guy's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, or is at least really close to it? Yeah, I, I think the consensus is that it was after their loss against the Denver Broncos in London. Yeah, it was, it was one of Lawrence's worst games of the year. You know, he I, I remember the game started, he had a great, you know, scoring drive against a really good at the time. You know, it was one that it was, I believe at the time it was the top pass defense in the NFL. He had a great touchdown throw to Evan Ingram, and then he just kind of fell apart the rest of the game, had a really bad interception on like first and goal in the end zone that took away points. And it was after that game that things started to click. So I'd say definitely, you know, probably around like games against the Raiders, games against the Ravens, the Ravens, his entire fourth quarter was really kind of a masterclass of the position. So it definitely took a little bit. It wasn't like, Week one, okay, he's automatically, you know, improved from where he was last year. And I, I think he's actually a good lesson to people who are expecting so much out of these quarterbacks. Like, I maybe people shouldn't expect Bryce Young and, and Caleb Williams next year to be set the league on fire in week one. Maybe give them some time because Lawrence, who was tapped as a generational guy, like, yeah, he was in a terrible situation, but he still needed, you know, some time just because, I mean, if you look at the offense he played at in Clemson, it didn't prepare him for the NFL at all. And you could see that early on. The next step for the Jaguars offense, of course, is is bolstering the supporting cast for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, that there was a point last year where I had completely forgotten that the Jaguars traded for Calvin Ridley at the trade deadline. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Calvin Ridley's on this team. Now, for fantasy purposes, he's actually getting drafted, uh, at least on underdog fantasy best ball, ahead of Christian Kirk, who had a 90-catch season last year. What have you seen from Calvin Ridley at OTAs, mini camps, talking to him? And do you think it's justified that he should be getting drafted ahead of, of Christian Kirk at this point? I really think that he's going to be, you know, as advertised, and that he's going to be the Calvin Ridley people last remembered saying. I, I understand any hesitations on him just because, you know, he's been away from the game for so long. But it's important to remember that other than a foot injury in 2021, you know, he wasn't away last year because of a physical reason. And you go and watch him this offseason, and they've stressed that they're not – letting him completely 100% loose yet because, again, he's been away for two years. They want to slowly bring him back into the fold of things so he doesn't suffer any injuries. But from what I saw of him during off-season practices, there's no physical you know issues. Like He, he looks extremely explosive, extremely quick feed. I think he's going to be – both his skill set and the scheme that he's going into, which last year was very good at getting guys open, you know, just by scheme and play calls, I think he's going to be open at a high rate and – I I do wonder, like, how many targets he's going to see just because they have, you know, so many other guys to throw the ball to that they really like. And I'm not sure there's ever going to be a bona fide number one guy in the offense. But I do think that he's 
from what I saw and from what I've seen, what I've heard, uh, from what other people have said, that he looks as advertised so far. So Zay Jones, I think, is the guy who everybody from a fantasy perspective is kind of knocking because of of Calvin Ridley's uh, uh, emergence in this offense. But Zay Jones coming off a season in which he had 82 catches and scored five touchdowns. Um, do you think it's justified that maybe he's gonna he's gonna be the guy who gets kind of the big knock here in terms of production? I think to a degree, because you just look at his targets last year. You know, he saw I think it was what 115, 116 targets. Like yeah. he. He, he really was, you know, fed the ball at a high volume because he he was really their main outside receiver. You know, Ingram and Kirk were slot guys. Uh, Marvin Jones was obviously, you know, not the same Marvin Jones from years prior. So I do think if there's any guy who's going to see fewer targets, like I, I don't think Christian Kirk, his world is going to change that much. If he sees fewer targets, I think it's by an insignificant amount. But if there is a guy who I think his targets would drop maybe a noticeable amount, it would probably be Zay just because, I mean, Marvin Jones wasn't targeted as much last year. You add Calvin Ridley to the mix, that's obviously going to change. But I do think that there will be weeks where Zay will just completely explode because the way their offense is, they almost have a different scheme every week, and they, they really try to target defenses' weaknesses. So there will be some weeks where Zay is against the – you know, the worst corner that the other team has. And, you know, I, I think it was the Ravens game last year where he caught three touchdowns just out of nowhere. And I think he'll have some performances like that this year. Uh, Evan Ingram's on the franchise tag. Um, the Jaguars obviously didn't want, want to let him go. Uh, is there a chance of a long-term deal getting worked out here? I do think there's a chance. I, I, I think that the Jaguars would would like for a deal to get done just so that they can, you know, ensure that they have one of Lawrence's top targets on the contract for the next few seasons. I know they just drafted a tight end in the second round, but the tight end position for one, it's already a hard position for rookies to come in and play at a high level. And from what I saw in the off season, like Brent strange, like he's a good bit away from being, you know, ready to be inserted into a starting lineup for the Jaguars. So I, I, I think that, you know, when you look at him, he's really the, their only option right now, unless they make some kind of move or strange to make some kind of giant leap for the short-term future. So I do think the Jaguars would like to get a deal done. That That's not to say I think one will get done. I, I, I'd probably say in terms of percentage, it's 70% chance he plays on the franchise tag, but I don't think it's a case where there's no chance a deal happens. So let's go to the backfield. And one of the, First and foremost, Travis Etienne was very good for fantasy last year. There's no two ways about it. But I think based on how how he came out of Clemson and the fact that the Jaguars clearly wanted a rotation last year before they realized, unfortunately, James Robinson's injury had really sapped him of explosiveness. I thought Tra- Travis Etienne was going to come into the NFL and he was going to be an Alvin Kamara kind of player. You know, 170 carries, 180 carries, but he's really going to make his hay 90, 100 targets. He didn't catch more than three passes in a game last year. Why was that? And do you foresee that changing? I actually think that's a part of the evaluation of Etienne where him coming out of Clemson. I really think Urban Meyer did him a disservice by calling him a slash player and saying that he would take some snaps at receiver because he was receiving wasn't a strength of his coming out of Clemson. I mean, I, I know in his senior season he produced well in terms of catches and yards, et cetera. But if you look at his Clemson career, almost all of his receiving plays that were a positive were screen plays. And, it, it, you know, it, it wasn't him being utilized as an actual, you know, 
receiving threat out of the backfield who's beating linebackers, defensive backs in coverage. You know, he, he was more or less schemed as a receiver. It, it was very basic plays. And he said as much when he got drafted, he said that the only things he ever did at Clemson was, you know, check downs and screens and that in terms of route running. So he was very raw in that regard. And I, I think just overall, you know, when you watch him, he, he not to say he has bad hands or bad feel for pass catching, but he is inconsistent at times. So have the occasional drop that you wouldn't expect. And then on top of all of that, Doug Peterson, uh, I mean, he has said before in his offense, like it's just not an offense that features the running back in the passing game very often because, I mean, they want to feature their receivers. They want to feature the tight ends. And they also – they don't have a quarterback who checks the ball down very much. So I think you add all of this in, and it was just kind of a perfect storm for him as a lack of a receiver, if that makes sense. So obviously the Jaguars make a significant in, in investment in the backfield. Um, last year they traded up for Snoop Connor. This year they use a third round pick on Tank Bigsby um, out of Auburn. What what's the what's the evaluation for Tank Bigsby? What do you anticipate his role is? Again, that's a pretty significant investment in the running back position this this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think that. He definitely is one of the players who had a strong offseason. I'd say, like, out of all their rookie class, which is, like, 13 picks, he has the most buzz inside the building, you know, out of all those picks after uh, OTAs and minicamp. You know, it looked really explosive. He's really impressive just in terms of his build and person. And then he did a great job as a pass catcher this offseason, which, you know, running backs coach Bernie Parmley said he didn't know much of if if he had that part of his game and he kind of showed him that this offseason so I, I i think you'll see him used maybe not a, a rotation because i do think etn will be the clear number one back but he'll get some series now and then but i i, I really hesitate to say that he's automatically going to see you know that many snaps or that many touches or even be a goal line guy this early just because i mean it's it's proven that this is a pass first offense and when they are do run the ball i mean they expect etn to be better this year for for as productive as he was last year you know there, there's a big belief that he left a lot of yards on the field too so they, they expect him to be a lot better this year so i i think he'll see his touches now and then but other than if etn struggles early on as a goal line back i could see them turn to tank but otherwise i see him you know as a backup running back who's going to see a few touches maybe a game so if I, if I were talking to the average Jaguar fan, um, and, and I would say, I'm, I'm sure you're excited, you know, like it's just sitting down there at the bar. Offense looks great. You know, Trevor took the big step forward. I would venture to guess that 90% of Jaguar fans would say, if they were concerned about something, they say, yeah, but the offensive line. What's the outlook for the Jags offensive line this year? Um, I think Cam Robinson's coming off some injuries. They spent the first round pick on Anton Harrison. What, what do you think that that offensive line is going to look at? Do you think that there's a reason to be optimistic about them up front and front of Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you pull anybody, like any national or outside analyst, and they'll say the offensive line too. And I, I think, you know, most teams are probably higher on their offensive line than the consensus. But the Jaguars especially, you know, kind of especially disagree with the fact that the offensive line is in the Keeley seal. I think that part of it is – yeah, they, they struggled in short yardage, you know, run blocking last year. And there's no question about that. Uh, Luke Fortner, who uh, was a third round pick last year, started all their all, all 19 games. He played, I miss, I'm not sure if he missed any snaps. I think he played the most snaps of any rookie last year. You know, they, they really liked him for his mental toughness, uh, his ability to set protections early on as a rookie, but he struggled as a run blocker. And you could tell, like, he just, 
he didn't have the strength to hold up. He's come into offseason with kind of a transformed body. They're hoping that he's, you know, much stronger. And then you're hoping, you know, Brandon Sheriff, he didn't miss any games last year, but he was banged up for a lot of the second half. And I think that led to some of the issues. Left tackle, obviously, Cam Robinson, you know, it's to be determined, you know, with his potential looming suspension, how many games he would miss. But, yeah, the Jaguars, you know, they've invested so much in the offensive tackle position that they have the rare ability to, okay, our left tackle might be suspended. We have a former second round pick who we can put right there and, you know, walk a little. And I, I think the big question is the left guard spot, you know, whether it's Tyler Shatley, whether it's Ben Barch. I think Walker Little could slide in the left guard when Cam Robinson returns, just because I personally, based on what everything, all the, you know, really noise and traction was in the building this offseason, was that Cam Robinson, he's simply being paid too much to not play, and he's a left tackle only. So I think once he comes back, you could see that. But I, I, I do think the Jaguars, I, I don't think their offensive line is as bad as people say, and I also don't think it's as good as they think. I think it's probably right there in the middle area, but you're also making on, Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson make the line look better. Uh, were you did were you uh, in favor of the Anton Harrison pick? Were you, did, was that something that the fans liked? Um, what did you, what have you seen from him? Yeah, no, I, I think it was a good pick. I, I think yeah, you know, if you're going to draft a starting tackle as a rookie, you know, you pretty much have to draft them in the first round. He was the last guy, you know, really in that group of tackles who could come in early and play as a rookie and would warrant a first round pick. And the fact that they jumped back a few spots, I, I think, you know, really they could have kept Jawan Taylor and paid him, you know, the giant contract he's getting, but instead they save, you know, 60, 70 million on Anton Harrison and get three more draft picks, you know, so you get Anton Harrison, three more draft picks and 60 or 70 million to spend that you wouldn't have had if you had Ant- Jawan Taylor. I mean, I, I think that's just good process. That's good business. You know, there, there's definitely questions about them not taking a pass rusher and then not taking a defensive back. And, you know, those questions will have to be answered. But if they didn't take Harrison, they would have been in trouble during Robinson's suspension because, I mean, they would have had to turn to Josh Wells or Blake Hans at right tackle, and that wouldn't have been a good outcome. So, John, I've, I've been wrapping up all these franchise-focused podcast interviews by asking my guest uh, maybe one under-the-radar player who might make an impact for fantasy might not be on the tip of people's tongues. I think we've already talked about Tank Bigsby, but it's really hard to find somebody else here on the Jaguars' offense who might do that. Yeah, it is, just because they're returning so many people. They're like The only people they lost were Marvin Jones and two backup tight ends. So, you know, they're, it, it's hard to really find a sleeper, you know, with the Jaguars, but, you know, maybe a few guys potentially think about uh, Jamal Agnew, you know, he, he's going to have some kind of role as a design touch guy on the offense. They wouldn't have kept him at his contract if he was just going to be a returner. You know, he's being paid what he is because he is one of the best returners in the NFL, but he can also play a role on offense. So you'll see him get some design touches, especially in the red zone. And then, I mean, that, I know they drafted a tight end in the second round of Brendan Strange, but they're high on Luke Farrell. And I would I would assume that Luke Farrell will be their number two tight end this year. And, you know, if Evan Ingram ever gets banged up or anything, Luke Farrell will probably be the Jaguars tight end I'd look at instead of Brendan Strange. His name is John Shipley. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore John underscore Shipley. We're both in the process of looking to lose some of those underscores. He is the Jaguars beat reporter for Jaguar Report. And he is very high on Trevor Lawrence, so perhaps we should be too. John, thanks for joining me on the program. Thanks for being a recurring guest on the show. It was great having you. Oh, no, absolutely. Looking forward to the 2024 version. Oh, well, uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a playoff win come uh, f- with the Jaguars. We'll be uh, wrapping up the NFC South with Paul Kaharski of the Tennessee Titans, or talking Tennessee Titans at least. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Franchise Focus podcast series, and I'll catch you later. Thank you.
Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.